earnings are going to be challenged uh, this year for sure. I'm, I'm not seeing a, uh, an economy-wide recession, which then leads to a big drop in earnings. But I do see a, what I call a rolling recession, in which earnings kind of go sideways through the end of the year before they recover next year. On WealthTrack, veteran macro strategist Ed Yardeni helps us understand and navigate the cross currents in the markets. Funding provided by Clearbridge Investments, First Eagle Investments, Royce Investment Partners, Baird, Matthews Asia, Strategus Asset Management, and Women Investing in Security and Education. Hello and welcome to this edition of WealthTrack. I'm Consuelo Mack. Remember the days of narrow market leadership when the so-called FANG stocks dominated market performance for a decade? Well, in case you need a refresher, the FANGs were Facebook, as Meta was then called, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Google, now Alphabet. Well, after a dismal performance in 2022, big tech stocks are back. According to research firm Strategas, 10 stocks have accounted for 90% of the rally in the S&P 500 year-to-date. And they are the usual suspects, plus some. In order of the largest gains in market cap, they are Apple, Microsoft, NVIDIA, Meta, Tesla, Amazon, Alphabet, the parent company of Google, Salesforce, AMD, and Broadcom. The remaining 490 stocks account for just 10% of the S&P's market cap increase. Now, investors are facing some interesting choices. Remember the days of Tina, meaning there is no alternative in this case to stocks? Well, now there are some. Cash is back. After providing little or no income for years, money market funds are now offering yields as high as 5%. And investors have taken notice. Assets and money market funds recently hit a record $5.2 trillion. Then there is gold. It has soared in the last six months and recently traded near record territory at over $2,000 an ounce. All of this against a backdrop of the highest interest rates in years, a Federal Reserve under pressure to pause its fight against inflation, and outbreaks of stress in the banking system. What shape are the economy and markets in, and what is the best course for investors? Those are the questions we are going to put to this week's guest. He is Ed Yardeni, President and Chief Investment Strategist of his macro research and strategy firm Yardeni Research, which he launched in 2007. Yardeni is a PhD economist, longtime Fed watcher, and investment strategist who is widely followed by institutional investors. The firm's output is prodigious. It includes a detailed daily morning briefing and comprehensive what I am reading list his compilation of the most pertinent articles from various news sources. He recently introduced Quick Takes for Individual Investors, a daily summary of his macroeconomic observations. He is also the author of several books. The latest, In Praise of Profits, is dedicated to Progressive to help them understand that profits isn't a four-letter word. Yardeni describes himself as being usually bullish and usually right. Although his bullishness proved unusually wrong the last time he was on WealthTrack in early 2022. I asked him what he got wrong. Well, I, I view stocks as uh, long-term investments. Um, I think one of the important pieces of, of the puzzle when you invest in stocks is dividends. And in order to earn the dividends, you have to hold on to the stocks. Uh, and it probably makes sense to hold onto the stocks through thick and thin. Uh, the problem with trying to call market tops is you also have to you have an obligation as a strategist or as an individual investor to then figure out the bottom. Very many people miss the bottom. 
and uh, then uh, they wind up getting back to where they were uh, be before when they when they panicked out of the market. Uh, in in my case, I think that um, uh, like the Fed, I misjudged inflation. Uh, inflation turned out to be more persistent, though I think it's all a matter of uh, perspective. Um, we certainly have seen inflation in the goods sector come down a great deal. And services has been boosted by rents, and we know that that's a laggard in, on the inflation scene. So, um, you know, I, I, I guess I, I wish I'd called the, the, the top uh, back in uh, the beginning of January, but I think I called the bottom on October 24th. A few days later, I said that might very well have been a, the bottom because there was just so much panic. Right. So, so far, so good. Your stance now is how would you describe yourself? Bullish. I, I think we're in a bull market uh, again. You I'm, do. I, I, well, uh, and to the extent that I have said that, um, and I, I repeated quite often that I thought that uh, the October 12th low was the low. I also thought that the October 24th high in the bond yield at four and a quarter percent was the high. So that's worked out reasonably well. Um, but uh, I don't think it's going to be a V-shaped uh, uh, bull market where everybody is quite aware that this is not exactly. A cheap market. It's not as expensive if you take out the big eight, with the so-called mega cap eight technology names. Uh, right. But they're pretty highly valued. Uh, they did come down quite a bit, but uh, they, they just went right, right, right back up. And uh, earnings are going to be challenged uh, this year for sure. I'm, I'm not seeing a uh, an economy-wide recession, which then leads to a big drop in in, in earnings. But I do see a, what I call a rolling recession in which earnings kind of go sideways through the end of the year before they recover next year. A rolling recession, what does that mean and, and where are you seeing that? And what happens in a rolling recession is different industries at different times uh, take, take turns going down. And in the current situation, we have been in a recession since the beginning of last year for single family housing. And then uh, late last year, uh, retailers had a recession. They had to discount merchandise in order to move it. Uh, meanwhile, services economy has held up pretty well. Capital spending has held up pretty well. And of course, we still have a tremendous amount of fiscal stimulus still to come uh, as a result of uh, the Biden administration's infrastructure spending and, and, and so on. Um, I guess we're going to roll next into commercial real estate. And uh, that right, happened. Right, as far as a recession, mm -hmm. that is definitely yeah. having its Correct. problems. Yep. Correct. And that happened in the early 1990s as well. And the recession only lasted at uh, I think it was all of eight months back then, uh, but I don't even expect to see that we'll have an official recession. It'll be more in the na nature of a soft landing growth recession. So this is what I don't understand, given what the Fed's policy has been, which is you know one of the, the most aggressive and fastest rate hike cycles in history. Um, and you know somebody famously said that you know that the Fed you know murders uh, re recoveries. Um, and it, I, I don't understand why, why the economy isn't being murdered yeah. by this uh, Fed rate hike cycle. What, what's, what's changed? What's going on? Oh, it ain't over until it's over. So I could be wrong. Right. And we could, mm -hmm. It could, could be on the edge of something like, like this. We do have a banking crisis now that's kind of uh, reminiscent of previous banking crisis, led to credit crunches and recessions. But the Fed, you know, has a lot of experience uh, with creating emergency facilities to bail uh, out the economy. And mm -hmm. it came really uh, very quickly with an emergency facility uh, for the banks. The FDIC came in very quickly 
uh, to uh, to shore up some of the recent uh, weakness in, in, in that area. Look, I, I think uh, part of it is demographics. Um, there's a lot of people my age, I'm still working for a living, but a lot of mm -hmm. my friends have retired. And uh, I, you know, I don't know what I would do with myself if, if I retired because I don't play golf and uh, I, 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 you know, I, I enjoy what I'm doing. But what I see <laughs> a lot of my friends doing is retiring. They've had enough. Maybe the, uh, because of the pandemic, they had a few months to think about the meaning of life and decided, you know, they've worked all their life. It's time to travel. It's time to spend more time going out to entertainment and uh, restaurants. I mean, restaurant sales are an all-time record high. And uh, demand for healthcare services is an all-time record high. And guess what employment demand is doing in these two very important sectors. It's absolutely right. bo booming. And so, you know, usually you need to have uh, a very weak labor market in order to get a recession. Now, I will admit that if you look at the history of the unemployment uh, rate, it uh, does tend to bottom right before recessions, wouldn't you know it? Uh, because uh, the economy is doing so well that inflation picks up and the Fed starts to tap, then slam on the brakes, and then you get a recession. Um, I think in this case, the, the Federal Reserve uh, will probably stop raising interest rates effective now, effective as a result of the, the banking crisis that started in early March. They've been saying they want to get the federal funds rate up to a restrictive level, and they were kind of arguing whether it was five and a quarter percent or 5.6 percent. Uh, there's some talk in the markets about six uh, percent. We've had, had a minor little bank run, uh, but you know that's we're not out of the woods in that regards. And I think the Fed doesn't want to uh, tip this thing over um, more than it has already. How can the Fed pause when the Fed has stated publicly many, many times its commitment to get the inflation rate down to 2%, and we are still a long way from that goal? Well, I think the Fed has actually been very clear that uh, their aim isn't to just keep raising interest rates forever until the economy falls into recession. They've been saying they want to get the federal funds rate up to a level that they think is restrictive enough to continue to bring inflation down, and then they want to leave it at that level for, for some time uh, in order to get inflation down. They're talking about getting to their uh, 2 2.5% inflation uh, target by 2025. So that leaves some time here. They don't have to uh, rush it. And meanwhile, because of the, uh, the beginning of a, of a credit uh, crisis, which I think they, they are averting, I think they have to conclude that they've achieved what they want to achieve. They're at restrictive. I mean, they can leave the Fed funds rate at 5% for the rest of the year, and uh, that probably will not cause an economy-wide recession, and it'll probably continue to put enough pressure on the inflationary side to bring it down. Right, right. And, but keeping the Fed funds rate at 5%, that's still, uh, that's still very tight, uh, considering you know, where we've come from. So that's going to have some uh, repercussions as well, right, it, it, you know, to, for businesses and individuals. As you know, the, uh, the markets are actually uh, have been predicting, and especially uh, when the Silicon Valley Bank was closed, um, the right. markets have been predicting that the Fed is going to be lowering interest rates, and the Fed has tried mightily to convince people that they don't have any intention of lowering rates, and the market says, look, look at history. History shows that uh, when yield curves invert, something breaks mm -hmm. in the financial system, you get a credit crunch, and then you get a recession. Uh, and uh, then, and along the way, interest rates peak and come down. That's one of the reasons I thought that the bond yield 
peaked back on October 24th at uh, four and a quarter percent is because of the yield curve inversion. It was saying that bond investors came to conclude that if short-term rates were going to keep going up, they weren't going to chase them. They were just going to buy bonds, figuring that we were already in restrictive uh, territory. I think that, that, that'll be the real issue here is, uh, will the Fed have the um, perception that, that I have that um, mm -hmm. they, they've done enough? And I, I, think, um, I, I think they have to come to that conclusion. Uh, and if, if that's the case, then the, that will allow them to leave it at 5% for a while. If they keep going, then we will have the typical uh, peak in the, in the Fed funds rate and then a big drop in the Fed funds rate. But that, I think, would require a recession. I mean, just to put things in, into perspective, it's not like I'm denying the possibility of a recession here. Mm -hmm. uh, it's rather, you know, I'm putting subjective probabilities of 60% of something like a soft landing and 40% of something like a hard landing. And what could make the difference? Uh, I'm, I'm just wondering where you, you know, we've just, as you said, had a kind of a banking crisis. Um, you know, Jamie Dimon, the CEO and chairman of J.P. Morgan Chase, says that there are going to be more repercussions from that to come. Is, is that where we have a possibility of tipping the economy into recession? And, and, and you know, what, what do you see that's going on uh, in the financial system that concerns you? Well, it is it is a credit crunch because, as I said, the the history of this of the of the business cycle is that uh, you know we come out of a recession, everything is uh, is okay. People are still mm -hmm. kind of a little bit uh, traumatized by the recession. Everybody behaves, and then a couple of years later, we forget the recession and it's uh, boom times, and inflation picks up and unemployment is extremely low, and uh, then the Fed uh, goes from tapping to slamming on the brakes and. That causes a financial something in the financial system to break, causes a credit right. crunch, causes a recession. Uh, what I need to see is more evidence that uh, what's happening in the banking system is going to turn into an economy-wide uh, credit crunch. So I'll be watching the weekly data that the Fed posts uh, Friday at 4 p.m. What they do is they show you assets and liabilities of the commercial banking system, and if I see that you know deposits continue to pour pour out. Uh, of uh, banks, uh, especially regional banks. So that's one issue. The other question is the weekly loan numbers. So that'll be very important to watch. There's actually data weekly on commercial real estate uh, uh, loans. And then there's the borrowing data. How much are they actually borrowing to offset the stresses that they're, they're experiencing? Every day that something hasn't blown up in the banking system has been a good day. The stock market's actually <laughs> done pr pretty well with this, uh, with this, with this banking crisis. The bears right. are saying it's going to all fall apart uh, any, any day, and uh, they'll be watching the, the, the credit numbers, and I'm sure, uh, you know, if, if the credit numbers are ambiguous, we'll have a debate on it. Um, if not, we'll have a debate on it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> For, from an investment point of view, it, it, things don't seem to be clear-cut by any stretch of right. the imagination. You know, you just mentioned how well tech stocks are doing, the narrow market leadership mm -hmm. that I'm saying that, that we're seeing. I, but is it's, uh, I think, 90% of the S&P 500's performance year-to-date has been in 10 stocks. Um, and the fact that gold is, you know, is, is hitting new highs. You know, the cash is now such an attractive alternative mm -hmm. to, to stocks. Uh, what, what's your advice to investors? I think uh, ever since the pandemic, uh, everything's been rather turbulent. A lot about the market, mm -hmm. I think, pretty clearly bottomed on October 12th. Right. Well, the jury's out. We'll see how that plays out. Yeah, you know, on the stock side, 
you really have to focus on uh, being a long-term investor. Um, you, you have to ride these things out. Uh, the reason for that is, as I said before, not only do you have to call the top, but you also have to call the bottom. And by the time you do, you get to a bottom, the the pessimism that you see at bottoms is just intense. You really, you know, see. So you wind up missing uh, getting out of the market at, on a timely basis and not getting in on a timely right. basis, and it's uh, just been a, a big spinning of, of wheels. When the last time you were on a year ago, you mentioned the S and P, you know, fifteen hundred basically, which is large, small, and mid-cap stock, just buy the whole market and just forget about it, or what? I basically agree with Warren Buffett and uh, Professor Jeremy Siegel that, uh, you know, you re we really have to have a, a, a more uh, long-term investment strategy uh, towards stocks as opposed to this trading mentality, which, you know, Wall, Wall Street basically pr promotes. And uh, it's, oh, absolutely. It's, it's, yeah, it's really not a good way to... To, to invest for the, for the long run. Again, it's the compounding of, of dividends that really makes the, uh, a big difference in stocks uh, uh, over time. I think in the bond market, um, I, 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 you know, like everybody else, it would have been great if we all bought at four and a quarter percent on the treasuries. The volatility has been just uh, crazy in the, in the bond market. Yeah, you just don't expect to have that kind of volatility in the marketplace. Uh, but I have no problems owning 10-year um, uh, treasuries at three, three and a half uh, percent. Uh, it was only a few days ago that I said I'd have no problems owning them at three and a half to three and a quarters percent. Uh, but I do think inflation is going to be coming down uh, rather sharply in uh, in, in coming uh, quarters. Uh, and if that's the case, then the bond market, I think, still offers uh, some uh, good opportunities. Um, I mean, in a credit crunch situation, you probably for now want to uh, uh, avoid getting uh, too, too excited about the yields available in, uh, in high yield instruments or, or mortgage mm -hmm. securities because you might get a, a, a better yield if, if the if kind of pa panic sets in. But right. uh, as for gold, uh, you know, gold, uh, it's always kind of the, the default um, uh, asset to invest in uh, when uh, you think things are going to really come, come unglued. Right. Insurance policy against disaster, as Peter Bernstein told me many years ago. Now suddenly you've got competition for, uh, for uh, gold has competition with Bitcoin. Uh, I know. Tell me about that, Ed. That's I mean, Bitcoin's been rallying like crazy too. You're you're, you're asking me about two assets that uh, don't have dividends. They don't have any yield. Uh, they they don't have any return. Um, mm -hmm. And. Um, I'm sort of an old-fashioned strategist. I need something that I can I can put a valuation multiple on. I really well, gold can't. Gold, you can. Gold is very it's a tangible. But if we're talking about uh, if we're talking about gold bars, there's no there's no return. Right. There's, there's no there's, return. No, no return. And Same thing with Bitcoin, and, mm -hmm. and uh, they are volatile. Uh, the prices of them tend to be quite volatile. Uh, and a lot of people have uh, owned gold and been waiting for a long time. So what, what, why isn't gold doing a lot better? The world's definitely coming unglued. I mean, how long has the world been coming unglued uh, as, as, as you and I have been doing this? There's, there's always something to you know, fret about. And right. uh, sometimes gold works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, I don't really have any trading tools. I don't have any valu valuation tools to uh, tell you when to get in and out of gold. Uh, so, you know, most people... Uh, investment strategists or financial advisors say, oh, you always want to have, t you know, five, 10% of your portfolio right. in, in gold, and then they leave it at that. 
and they never ask like why or you know why wouldn't I want to have a lot more? Uh, how do you know that? Um, you know the conversation kind of ends because it's just hard to value these things. At the beginning of the of the twenty uh, twenties, you said that you could see uh, a possible analogy between the 1920s and the 2020s. Correct. Talking about, you know, technological innovation and productivity and prosperity. Uh, the beginning of the 2020s didn't start that way. No. How do you feel about it now? Well, neither the, the uh, beginning of the 1920s. Uh, in the beginning of the 1920s, if you were uh, just an uh, individual or your, your family, imagine sitting around uh, Thanksgiving table in 1920. I mean, what was there to give thanks for? Uh, well, at least World, well, the World, War, World War I the World War was the over. Pandemic had ended, yeah, but, but uh, millions of people died. And uh, right. then in 1920, there was what they still called a depression in the United States. It was, you know, I can't imagine that there were too many people that said, yeah, this, this too shall pass and we're going to have a, a roaring uh, 2020s. It didn't, end, it didn't end well, and uh, maybe that's something to, uh, that I need to respond to, but it didn't end well because of the smooth holly tariff and a, a policy mistake. But uh, it's my view that technology solves a lot of problems and it creates, uh, a, uh, it stimulates productivity, it increases the the standard of living. And I think the technology that we have available to us today lends itself to increasing productivity and substituting for scarce labor in just about every industry, whereas in the past that was not necessarily the case. I mean, even during the 1990s when we had the high-tech revolution, if uh, you had a company that uh, could do something with an Excel spreadsheet or a Word program, uh, then it uh, contributed to productivity, you get rid of all this electric typewriters, and then you can type away on a, on a, on a PC. But it didn't really lend itself uh, to lots of businesses across the board, uh, the way automation, robotics, artificial intelligence, uh, I think, has the potential uh, to increase uh, productivity. And technology solves problems. And the biggest uh, problem we have in the economy, one of the biggest ones, I don't want to tell you there's, there aren't other problems, but uh, one of the biggest uh, problems is labor shortages. Absolutely. And, and so that's something that you think that artificial intelligence and also robotics can uh, can at least solve par partially and can make a big difference. Yeah, I mean, it's, it just kind of came out of nowhere. And uh, all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, that's an amazing technology. Powerful. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, just playing with it, uh, I, I, I said, well, maybe I can translate my uh, daily commentary into Chinese and Japanese. And I did it. And uh, I don't know if it makes sense, so I, I ran one in Spanish, and I uh, have a colleague who's fluent in Spanish. He said, she said, this is, uh, makes, it's perfect, it's perfect. Uh, wow, this is ChatGPT that yeah, you're using, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, the, I, I think we haven't even started to think about uh, what, what this WIS could do, but you can see the companies are, are jumping all over it. I mean, this doesn't mean that there'll be no jobs. Uh, somebody's got to mm -hmm. read over this stuff to make sure that, uh, you know, uh, hell 9,000 <laughs> didn't go, you know, berserk and uh, right. g give you something <laughs> that was to totally wrong. Uh, but the potential is, is great. I mean, I've, I've heard that uh, hospitals now are looking at, at using uh, artificial intelligence to help doctors assess the probability of going in one way or another way uh, when they're, when, when yes. they're do doing their operations. I mean, that's yeah, it's pretty, remarkable it's pretty stuff. Remarkable is right. One investment for a long-term diversified portfolio, well, what, do you, what would you recommend we all own some of? I'm still uh, harping on the uh, S&P 1500. Uh, 
Um, I've got no problems with the mega cap stocks. Uh, they uh, got their comeuppance and uh, they're all managed by uh, people who like to see their stock price up and they realize that they had to cut some costs in order to show uh, profitability to their investors. And they did it. Um, these are very profitable companies and uh, it's very easy for them to, sh to show those profits by just cutting costs for a quarter or two. And then suddenly it's like, whoa, can't believe all that uh, profit potential that this company has. So I, I think some of them just got a little sloppy and spent too much on, on too many kind of projects. And now they're getting, uh, being much more focused. And I think they're going to continue to be uh, world-class competitors. Ed Yardeni, thanks so much for joining us on WealthTrack. Thank you. At the close of every wealth track, we try to give you one suggestion to help you build and protect your wealth over the long term. This week's action point is take advantage of money market rates. Money market mutual funds are one option. There are many run by top investment firms, including Fidelity, Vanguard, DWS, Invesco, and BlackRock. They are currently offering yields of anywhere from 4 to 5%. Their websites are good places to start. Then there are money market accounts at banks. Their rates are generally lower, but they are covered by FDIC insurance up to the usual $250,000 limit and frequently offer check writing privileges. A good website to compare banks' rates and get recommendations is at a website called Bankrate, what used to be called Bankrate Monitor. For those of us old enough to remember, Bankrate Monitor was the go-to source for bank rates during the high interest rate days of yore. Once again, it actually pays to compare rates. Get them while they last. Next week, former Global Mutual Fund star Bill Wilby, now a private investor, discusses the problem with treasuries and why financials are uninvestable. In this week's extra feature, Ed Yardeni tells us why he is offering a research product to individuals. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel. And especially thank you for spending time with us here today. Have a great weekend and make the week ahead a healthy, profitable, and productive one.